Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. <laughs> Daniel just cracked himself up. I wish we could have seen that, caught that on video or audio or no whatever. No video anymore. It doesn't used to do happen video. very often. Um, what else? Let's see. Odds and ends. This show is always brought to you by Jewel Financial. Powerful planning for people. Powerful planning for people. That may have pets. Financial planning to power your goals. Yeah. We have three microphones now, so in the near future, we, we all to... might be on here. Yeah. I'm not judging you because I think you're an innovator, but there's no way I'm ready for that. We still need to condense it into 15 minutes. That's easy to do. Yeah, Logan talks a lot. Whew, telling me. Wowzer. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> okay. It's silence on here uh, when Logan's not on. Yeah, we got a good question. We get questions like this a lot uh, from folks regarding, you know, strategic decisions and we don't we don't put these much on the show which i which i think is um probably a mistake we need to we need to be better about that but this one we we hear a lot especially when someone is right about to or is in retirement and we'll tell you what we tell them frank what do you got D-I-Y. hey guys thank you for the opportunity to give you a question uh, i just wanted to run this by you I'm 58 now, and I was wondering if when I turn 59 and a half, would it be wise to write a check from my retirement to pay off my mortgage? At that time, I anticipate having about 550000 in total retirement savings between my wife and I. We will have about 140000 left to pay off on the mortgage with no other debt. The mortgage is on a three-family home that generates enough to pay my taxes and utilities, and uh, so I don't really have housing costs once the mortgage is paid off. What would you do in my situation? Thank you. Are you going to guess where the accent's from? Oh, he's a, he's a north n- northerner, like Pittsburgh, something like that. Yeah. Northern Ohio, Pittsburgh. Oh, Massachusetts! For people who haven't been, normally you'll, you'll and I dial in on. on. How about the guy from... from the West Coast, yeah. but he was, I was like, no, Transplant. you're from Brooklyn. Yeah. And he was. Like, wow. It was impressive. Almost had the cross streets. We had one recently, a gal, I feel like we guessed, and, and she followed up and we were way off. And it was the Iowa. She was from Iowa. Where did we say? I don't know. Maybe I didn't guess at all. I don't know. I always, I always wish we could, you know when you're watching a show, or you're watching a really a high wealth financed podcast video episode and then they go back and it's like in black and white and they show you the clip of that. I hope we get there someday. Yeah, I wish this audio we could go back in black and white. I said the video of the podcast oh, okay. to go back. Come on. Come on. Come on. I was just seeing if you're paying Come attention. Come on. Okay. So this is this is actually a tough one. This is actually a planning question. It is a very much planning question. There are some assumptions we have to make, which I will make right now, uh, because they are big when it comes to the, the discussion. One is what the interest rate is. One is what uh, you know the time period is on the on the loan. Meaning, you know, is the house worth five hundred thousand, and there's only one hundred forty some thousand left, or is it two hundred thousand, one hundred sixty thousand? So there's a lot. 
there's a lot of uh, little variables there. The reality, though, and I'm sure you've you've thought about this, Frank, but what I don't like about taking a huge amount out of the IRA is the amount of taxes that you are going to owe when that money comes out as ordinary income. So when you take out of money out of an IRA, at the end of the year, you get a 1099. Now, this is assuming you take it out after 59 and a half, so there's no penalty. There's no additional 10% penalty. So you take this money out. So let's say you called up your whatever advisor, maybe it's sitting in and you say, oh, 140000 You do a distribution for 140000 or thereabouts. You put it in your bank account. You call up your bank account or bank and you say, we're going to do a wire transfer or a cashier's check or pay this mortgage off. Great. Awesome. Now you're mortgage free. You got these other people living in this house, paying your taxes and insurance. She didn't delve into that a little bit. Three family house. That's interesting. But nonetheless, I'd love to know more about that backstory. But uh, you're, you're now you know debt free. Well, at the end of the year, you are going to get a 1099 for a hundred and forty some thousand dollars from the custodian from which you took that money out. Oh, oh. And it's going to come directly onto your tax return as income. If in fact, let's say you have additional income from somewhere else, maybe you have pension, maybe you just have investment income. Uh, in addition, it's going to bump up probably the tax on your social security. Oh, it's going to be problematic potentially when it comes to the income tax liability and it really has to be well thought out and mathematically addressed so that you don't have a big surprise. That being said, I am not one of these people who was like adamant and says, oh, you got a 3% mortgage rate. You shouldn't ever pay that off early. I'm not that person. I don't have a mortgage myself and I love being debt free. What I would rather see you do then in that instance, if you could kind of strike a balance, is to look at your joint income, again, looking at your all of your income that's coming in, and estimate maybe each year where your tax bracket's going to be already. So let's say that you find yourself in a 10% bracket or a 12% bracket, but you've calculated that you still have another 20,000 or 30,000 in that bracket that you could have an income before you jumped up to a new bracket. What I would then say is then take that amount maybe out of the IRA and pay it off towards the mortgage. If you just are adamant that you want to be debt free, which again, I'm okay with. There's a there's a lot to be said for the emotional freedom and flexibility of being debt free. But I don't necessarily like the idea of it all being a one lump sum amount. I like it being much more strategic with sort of the idea of planning and math included. What say you, Daniel? Yeah, the lump sum amount is uh, probably the first and foremost concern that you'll have as far as bumping you up in to one, if not uh, multiple tax brackets. On top of that, I think you need to think about once you pay off that mortgage, if this is set up like a you know, a business, rental, etc., you will not have the, the mortgage payment offsetting any of the income that you're having. So that may drive up your future year's income tax as well, something to consider. 
especially if you have Social Security pension, et cetera, on top of um, that income. So just run a projection as far as that goes. It sounds like you'd be taking 25-ish percent of your potential retirement liquidity and converting that into home equity, which we would have to, if you were sitting in our office, we'd have to run the numbers on that plan and see what the kind of the risk reward of that is. So when we're looking about at paying off liabilities in that instance, we only want to use up so much, and there's no rule of thumb, but it's kind of a plan by plan basis. We only want to use up so much of your current equity because that current equity that you have, when I say equity, I mean your stock uh, investment portfolio. So we only want to use up so much of your investment portfolio to convert into home equity by paying off debt because that removes some of the flexibility and freedom that you have, especially as we consider you might be locked in at a relatively low rate and then in retirement with less income and higher rates now, it may be very difficult to then turn around and tap that home equity if you needed it because now you have a lower asset base you have a lower retirement income, and then uh, you have a higher potential uh, interest rate on that home equity. So you have to kind of look at it at kind of that whole picture mentality and go, okay, if we do this, what are the potential risks and other areas that this could affect, not just in this particular year, but over the over the course of the next 5, 10, 15 years. And when we lay out a plan, that's really what we're looking at. I think when people think of financial planning, they're thinking, okay, uh, we're just going to get a summary of how we should allocate our investment accounts. But what we're actually looking at is a roadmap of the next 30 years of your retirement. We literally, we pull up on a screen during a planning meeting, we see kind of your account value projections every particular year over the course of your retirement, the income and expense projection, things like that. This then becomes the roadmap, kind of like your you know Google or Apple Maps GPS when you're on a road trip going, are we on course for the, the retirement and the life that you want to live? And so you would really have to lay out, one, that roadmap for what retirement looks like for you, and then go, okay, if we make this adjustment here, how does that change the future trajectory of that entire plan? That sounds really complicated. It's something that a, any type of planner, uh, investment advisor, et cetera, should be able to illustrate and help you with. Consequently, that's exactly what we do every day for our clients. <laughs> yeah, so. and this wasn't a this wasn't a setup to you know promote that, but I will say this is exactly the time you would sit down with somebody, Frank, and just say, okay, if I adjust this lever, what does it do to the other levers? Is basically what Daniel's saying. We see so often people make an isolated decision. That isolated decision, ironically, could be based in mathematics, which is much better than it being based in emotion. Sure. That's important. But what they then fail to consider is once you have a decision made, how does it influence the other areas of your respective plan? And that's where taking in the big picture comes into play. So again, if you don't want to sit with somebody and kind of get that detailed look, at minimum, I would say try and consider, not try, consider sort of spreading it out mm -hmm. to limit both the tax implications, but also, as Daniel alluded to, which I think is great, the, the liquidity change in your personal situation. So hopefully that helps. Uh, great question. We don't get too many of, of the, you know, 
planning type questions that just get Daniel in his wheelhouse. We would love fired up over here. Uh, Frank, get a hold of yourself. That's enough, Frank. Really, you can send uh, questions to us at podcast at diymoney.org. That's podcast at diymoney.org. And if we answer it on the show, just like we'll do with Frank, we'll send him a twenty-five dollar Amazon gift card. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple: live on less than you make. Invest the rest and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your questions aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.